Monday, December 7th, 2020, you are listening to the Inquisitor Bro Podcast. On today's episode, we are taking a look back at Warner Brothers' 1996 Space Jam. As a kid, I was entertained by the plot. As an adult, I now realize there was no plot at all. I quickly realized also there was no middle act. They just set up all the characters, the plot, and then you're right at the game, and here we go. Yeah, I don't think kids had the attention span to sit through a middle act, so they decided we don't need one at all. But honestly, I think this movie is hilarious. There are so many plot holes I never realized as a kid, but we're about to break it all down for you right now. From casting to soundtrack to little-known facts, we've got it all. To help break it down, returning to the studio, we got the brand gangster, Sanj, what's good? Chillin', man. Happy to be here for this movie, especially. And the voice you know and love, Chris is here. I think Chris was expecting Oscar-nom-type performances because he was generally underwhelmed. I don't think it's that good a movie. It's fine. I don't even know why we even have you on this pod if you don't like the movie. (laughs) I don't know. It was your idea. I think it's a fine movie. It's one of the greatest cult classics of all time. We're going to break it down for you. I'm Andrew. He's Chris. All right, let's go. When the world's greatest athlete, Michael Jordan, teams up with the world's best-loved cartoon character, Bugs Bunny, you won't believe your eyes. What's going on here? We need your help! Dream team, well, we're the mean team. Ready? Warner Brothers presents Jordan. Funny. Special delivery. Together, they just might save the world. Space Jam. You've never seen anything like it. man so as we mentioned in the intro we are covering 1996 space jam featuring michael jordan and the cast of the looney tunes we already know that chris hates the movie so can i just oh yeah wait can i just say something just because something is a cult classic doesn't mean that it's a good movie i can understand why people like this movie i just don't think it's that good it can't become a classic if people don't like it what do you mean like, even so, amongst the cult they must enjoy the movie for it to become a cult classic well the room is widely recognized as the worst movie ever but it's still got a huge following now that's one of those things where it's like it's so bad it's good but yeah, this jam actually made money because families wanted to go see it. Wait, did the room make money? No, it, it's made like Tommy Wiseau, like a decent amount of money post uh, release and everything, just off like endorsements and like speaking engagements. It's not like he's an A lister by any means, but he made he's made over like seven figures in this overall. At no point when I was prepping for this did I think Tommy Wiseau was going to pop up in this conversation. Well, you got played, my friend, because any movie conversation I have, Tommy Wiseau is going to come up. Good for Tommy. Glad he was able to make an appearance. Um, Saj, did you like the movie? Yes. I think it generally holds up. Um, it's just good family fun. Yeah, I thought it was great. I liked it too. So let's get right into it. I've asked Chris and Sunil to try and explain this movie in 10 words or less. Who would like to go first? Uh, I can go. All right, let's hear it. Um, basically, it's uh, beat aliens at basketball or become slaves, <laughs> so call Mike. Chris, can you top that? Yeah, I say a goat and his animal friends play basketball versus aliens. <laughs> a goat. <laughs> you guys are good. I'm very happy with that. The actual synopsis is a group of aliens in an attempt to improve their extraterrestrial theme park plan to come to Earth to kidnap the Looney Tunes, who decide to challenge the aliens to a game of basketball for their freedom. The aliens steal the basketball powers of five NBA stars, while the Looney Tunes enlist the help of recently retired Michael Jordan. Shout out to Wikipedia there for that yes, <laughs> synopsis. Correct. Wikipedia, um, who actually asked me for a donation today yeah. when I logged on. 
1996 is when this movie was released. Some things that happened in 1996. My wife was born. Severe thunderstorm in Bangladesh kills 600. Bill Clinton re-elected. Yankees win the World Series. Spice Girls debuted their number one single, Wannabe. The number one song of the year was Don't Speak by No Doubt. We were also introduced to Dolly, the cloned sheep, as well as the debut of Pokemon. And the top movies were Independence Day, Twister, and Mission Impossible, all slightly more critically acclaimed than Space Jam. Mission Impossible has gone through way more sequels than the Space Jam one, which is coming up. That's true. Mission Impossible was well-received. Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 43%. I don't think they quite understood the essence of Space Jam for a 43% Rotten Tomatoes score. This movie isn't about ratings, though. I mean, like, a lot of critics were lukewarm on it throughout. Like, some people liked it, some were like, eh. Yeah, I know, but, but, like, for what it is, I think it's better than a 43. Look, the success of this movie comes from just simply putting the influence, the separate influences that Looney Tunes plus Michael Jordan have. This is, like, one of the first uses of influencers, kind of, in a, a movie segment like this. But, no, I mean... This isn't necessarily a good movie, that doesn't, didn't, but that doesn't go against the fact that it was still, like, a success. No, it was. It was. And I think it's kind of gained more of a following as the years have gone on, because younger generations are looking up at who was Michael Jordan, why was he so great, then The Last Dance kind of brought back Michael Jordan as well, too. So people are watching it again. I think it's got some great rewatchability. Oh, The Last Dance definitely brought it back into the national conversation. I mean, the amount of articles when I was reading for the research here that I read that were from 2020 which are much greater than any articles I read around the period or within the past five years. People like to talk about it now. I know, cult classic, Space Jam lives on. So some fun facts about the movie itself. Directed by Joe Pitka, who was born in 1938. Odd choice, as his filmography mostly consisted of music videos for the likes of Britney Spears, Michael Jordan, and some Beatles stuff. A couple big Pepsi commercials. But, in his defense, the soundtrack for this movie was bumping, so maybe that's why they chose him. Well, they also have history with uh, him doing some of the Looney Tunes stuff. The way this movie got started, uh, this is me doing some half ass internet research, is prior to the filming actually being done, Pitka was the director for a commercial called Hair Jordan with Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan. Those were really well received. They played in the 1992 Super Bowl, which throwback was Washington versus Buffalo. So Never going to see that Super Bowl again. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills end up losing to the, to the then Redskins. Their second of what was four straight Super Bowl losses, which coined the acronym for the Bills. Boy, I love losing Super Bowls. Hey, listen, man. Second place is nothing to be ashamed of. So again, we mentioned this ended up being a cult classic, but at the time they were struggling to cast the movie because one, nobody thought MJ could act, which may or may not be true. We'll get into that. And nobody at the time really wanted to act uh, in front of a green screen, which was fairly new at the time uh, alongside cartoon characters. So given that most of the movie was green screen, the role of MJ's publicist was turned down by the likes of Michael J. Fox, Chevy Chase, and Jason Alexander, who I think would have been a great Stan Podlack. Costanza would have made a great Podlack. Yeah. Jason I think Alexander. Stan was great, though. Oh, he was. Okay, yeah. so as we all know, the role of MJ's publicist in the movie, Stan Podlack, was played by none other than Newman. From Seinfeld. I always thought he was more his assistant than his publicist. I think they actually call... I think he's technically the publicist for the Division Two baseball team that he joins. But you're right. He yeah. does end up playing more of an assistant role. Question for you guys. Uh, everybody knows Newman. Do any of you know his actual name? Wayne Knight. Correct. I'm glad he bailed you I out because Chris that had no clue. third on the credits behind Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. Yeah, there's not that many people in this movie, especially not that many people. First of all, he's just face. not known as Newman or Wayne Knight. He's also that guy from Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, yeah, the guy who gets <laughs> Who eaten. is now part yes. of the meme format where no one, nobody cares. Correct, yeah. <laughs> he's had some big roles. Good for him. This was also the first on-screen appearance uh, of the character known as Lola Bunny. 
I always think it's a little weird when studios try and add a cartoon sex symbol because it's oddly effective. They've been doing that for years. I know. Something that made me think of that was similar to from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Jessica Rabbit. First of all, the whole entertainment industry is based on sex symbols. So I guess that's, like, that's true. Anything you look at, they're, they're, they're sneaking that in. It's just weird when you're trying to make cartoons look sexy. Well, Looney Tunes has always been like pushing the envelope on this kind of stuff like more than Disney. Looney Tunes has always been doing strange things, though, so this isn't too crazy, I think. I they are not. loony. That's, that's accurate. Well said, Sanj. Well said. Any other points you guys have about sort of pre-movie stuff outside of the plot itself? Um, I just want to say that to jump on your point about them having a hard time casting this movie, they specifically had a hard time casting just random bit characters. Once they got Michael Jordan, people were still really not willing to be like uh, some of the side characters in the movie itself. But to be honest with you, like when you look at the cast, I thought it ended up great. Like I liked the roles that were filled. Yeah. Like the family was a super non-factor, but Newman was great. And like Larry Bird and like Bill Murray, Bill Murray steals a movie. He is this movie. He's hilarious. His scripts, his script is amazing. Yeah, Bill Murray kills it. Um, also, shout out to Charles Barkley. Turns out we can get this into like what say is the best and worst type thing, but Charles like showing pretty early on like that he had pretty good entertainment chops. I think on this. Yeah, absolutely. And also not afraid to be the butt of his own joke. No, guy loves to laugh. Yeah. Loves to laugh Always himself. Always a great sense of humor. So the movie begins with a ten-year-old MJ shooting hoops in his backyard as R. Kelly's "I Believe I Can Fly" plays in the background. All right, so reoccurring theme for this movie: MJ can do no wrong. He goes twelve for twelve shooting hoops in his backyard, and I like then how does, you counted. Yeah, no, I, I, this is not half-ass internet research like you. I do real <laughs> hard fact internet research. He doesn't miss in his backyard, and then he doesn't miss another shot the entire movie. The one golf shot he takes, he also made it. It was a hole in one. So this movie is all about perfect MJ. You think he had a role in that? He's like, I'm not missing a fucking shot on this. Well, I think MJ had final cut, and he probably did miss some shots throughout, and he's like, cut it, and nope, not that one, and good, done. <laughs> so that's a reoccurring theme. We'll see it, not just in basketball, but just as a human. They make MJ seem like a really good dude. That's actually hilarious when you think about it, though. 100% field goal percentage yeah, yeah. on and off the floor. Yeah, yeah and playing golf as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his other main sport. It's crazy. That scene ends with little MJ attending to dunk, which launches the movie into the real-time MJ with Quad City DJ's Space Jam and highlight of Mike's career. So, Sanj made a good point about the length of this movie. Yeah, it comes out to like something like an hour and 20 or less. It it feels super short, like without that middle act. You almost feel like there should be a Rocky montage in there somewhere with all the uh, guys learning how to play basketball or something, but they kind of just went in there cold turkey. Yeah, there wasn't like a training camp. There was no like lead in. That would have been actually a pretty, probably pretty good edit into the, the middle of the movie. If they wanted to do some sort of Rocky type montage, like MJ running sort of drills, Michael Jordan, Looney Tunes yeah. training camp, add in some comedy relief with Daffy Duck and everything, like Daffy, well done in this movie, also very yeah. funny. Yeah, would well, have been perfect. Would have been a perfect bad, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess I want to keep the runtime short, but that little intro with Quad Cities uh, DJ Space Jam uh, basically lasts for like I don't know six minutes plus the intro for like four minutes. You're like looking at twelve to fifteen minutes before the movie even really starts. And that's like 10% on the entire run Basically, time. yeah. But I like it. I think. Before they start setting it up, really. Yeah. Yeah, before they really before get into the start. nitty-gritty. Um, but let's take this time to talk a little bit about the soundtrack. Uh, it actually was critically acclaimed. Peaked at number two on the Billboard 200. It ended up going double platinum in 97. You're talking Well, you're talking about I Believe I Can Fly. No, no. The soundtrack. The whole soundtrack. The movie soundtrack. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Okay. Ended up going six times platinum by 2001. I'm going to ask any favorite tracks. Chris... 
may only know one track, so I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite track? I know the Space Jam track and the I Believe I Can Fly. Okay, those are two good ones. I would expect Sanj to know a couple more songs off the soundtrack. Uh, I like Fly Like an Eagle. Yeah, uh, how did that oh. not come across? I totally missed it. Seals Fly Like an I, Eagle. I kind of like the Basketball Jones song, even though it's a little annoying to hear Chris Rock yelling random stuff. Yeah, it's it's isn't it Barry White Yeah, Chris Rock? I just yeah. want to hear the smooth sound of Barry White, and then you just have Chris Rock yelling things in the back. Yeah, I, I think it's great. That's a great. That's they, that that's plaque, a, like the Monstars theme. Uh, hit him high. Hit him high. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, my buddy, quick story, Steve, who we know from the hockey offseason podcast, has this vinyl, and I've been trying to buy it off him for a very long time. So hopefully he hears this. But every time I go and we look it up, it's increased by like twenty, thirty bucks every single time. If anybody out there has an in to a reasonably priced Space Jam soundtrack on vinyl, how much is it? Hook me up, dude. Last time we checked, each one was going for like one hundred and sixty bucks. Wow. $160. For a used vinyl. Isn't that crazy? That's ridiculous. The People just love spending cool. money on stupid stuff. He does? People. People, yeah. People does. Steve does. In general. He, people do. Yeah, no, I know. It's nuts. Um, yeah, soundtrack for this movie was great. Critically acclaimed. Some great tracks in there. So, intro ends, and now we get adult MJ's first dialogue, announcing his first retirement after winning three straight championships and the passing of his father, at which point he announces he's going to pursue a career in baseball. Which happened in real life. It did happen in real life, yeah. So the time That scene was actually really well done in terms of recreating the whole scene of his retirement. It looked very it looked uncannily similar, obviously. Yeah. Um lots of reporters, big background, commission. Yeah, but the, the same background. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's really just a white screen with the Bulls logo. But it's also like the venue and everything too. It was in a gym. Yeah, no, they did a great job. It was it was really cool. So we go from that. Uh, it pans out at that point. We zoom out of Earth and take a trip to Moron Mountain, a theme park run by aliens. When we meet the antagonist of this movie. Uh, now, both of you recently rewatched this movie. Can either of you give me the name of the alien boss? No, I never paid attention to it. Uh, big cigar guy. Yeah. So nope. Neither of those answers were correct. I honestly don't think they even mentioned this in the movie, so I don't know why they even gave this guy a name. It's Schwackhammer. I came across the name when I was reading it, but I still couldn't remember offhand. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what his name is. He's... No, it doesn't. <laughs> but, like, why would you give him such a weird name if it wasn't going to play a part? You could have named him... Because he's a green, gigantic alien. You could have been, <laughs> been the green, gigantic alien named Johnny. No, it's, you got to give it... You gotta give it something that's believable, you know, like believable that you would give an alien swackhammer. Yeah, that's obviously aliens. Oh, are look at this cute little swackhammer. He's gonna make such a great boss one day. <laughs> and apparently, the other little aliens were called the Nerdlucks. I also too did not know that they had individual names too, but I couldn't keep track. Is that true? I think so. Oh yeah, no, like I, vaguely mentioned in passing. They all right. look yeah. the same. Yeah. This movie goes so fast that they might have mentioned the name once, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're, they're the Monstars. That's correct. They are the Monstars. So at the time, the aliens on Moron Mountain are brainstorming how to make their park more attractive, uh, to get more aliens at their rides. Glad to see corporate profits still reign supreme, even on another planet. That's nice to see. Greed doesn't just stop at Earth. But they end up going to Earth, meeting the Looney Tunes, and the rest is history. So let's jump into favorite scenes, stuff you want to talk about. Um, anybody want to start? I got some. I got lots of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think the best scene in this movie is by far the golf scene. Yeah. I mean, Bill Murray, if we're talking about favorite characters, obviously he's like, I think we'll get into how much we liked him in this movie. Yeah. But the golf scene, it's awesome. I mean, you get Larry Bird just saying, like, some trash talk cynical a little bit. Cynical one-liners. Yeah, yeah, cynical one-liners. That's always good for. You don't want him actually acting. God. Um, and then Bill Murray just asking to make it in the NBA. Mike, I got to ask you something. The NBA has to face reality. What's happening to these players is serious. They're going to need new players with talent, 
Guys were skilled but never really thought about a professional career before. You think I got a shot? Come on, really. No. Don't kid me. Listen, it's a man's game. And you can't play. What if I tried really hard? Can you keep it down trying to hit this ball? It's because I'm white, isn't it? No. Larry's white, so what? Larry's not white. Larry's clear. Yeah, it's great. So this launches into another reoccurring theme that I've noticed through this, and it's the utter lack of panic or surprise when anybody human sees anything alien for the first time. Yeah. Spaceships fly overhead, they land on the field, like aliens are running around. People are just like, meh. I think people just assumed that Mike was an alien at this point. That's how he was so good. I mean, that makes a big assumption for, like, a world that in theory had never seen aliens before. That's what I would think if MJ just kind of flew down on a spaceship and landed in a baseball field. But even when, even the golf scene, which we're going to talk about a little bit more, when MJ hits the hole in one and gets sucked down the golf hole, Bill and Larry Bird seem relatively unfazed. What do you mean relatively? They're not phased at all. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, only Newman really but takes okay. the appropriate reaction to but MJ also, when you think about it, if you t- take a step back and really think about it realistically, like, if this is your, you're in the writer's room, and this is your way of getting him into Looney Tunes, like, obviously it's underground, and just, like, shooting him through that little Warner Brothers sign and everything, yeah. is a kid's movie. What, you want... You want to have in a kids movie like Bill Murray and, and Larry Bird screaming their heads off at something that would happen? <laughs> or just, having a realistic explanation? I'm I mean, just saying reaction? a little bit of realism, a little bit more concern would have been nice. But Bill doesn't <laughs> care at all. In fact, uh, Bill cares so little that they basically just go on to the next golf hole and he turns to Larry and goes... Larry, I'm going to give us both twos back there. We weren't in any kind of emotional state to putt. I think that's fair. Now, if Mike is gone, the NBA is going to need some new people. There's room at the top, an exciting kind of guy who could maybe even perform at halftime. Now, are you still tight with David Stern? I mean, a phone call from you. Now that MJ's gone, we're going to have to talk about some new talent for the NBA. Yeah, he's continuing his uh, lobbying to make him the NBA, but I think what's funniest is, and a true call for knows this, is the excuses that he uses to mark them down both as pars. Yes. <laughs> Just, we weren't in the right emotional state there. I think we, it, the only right way is to mark us down as pars. He, no, dude, he even birdies. Oh, birdies, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he goes, no. Larry, we were in no emotional state to put back there. I'm going to give us both twos. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, that, that's another, yeah, that scene, like the dialogue for Bill shows why Bill Murray was the perfect guy for this role, like super nonchalant, and said all these like ridiculous lines with such ease. Little known fact about that scene, Bill Murray was not supposed to be in the movie other than that golf scene. He wasn't supposed to have uh, lines at the end where he joined the game and everything, but during the filming of that scene, he enjoyed it so much and was talking to the director that they just added that added his scenes at the end of the movie that day. Really? Yeah. Wow. yeah. That's crazy. That's when they agreed to do it. It's like, oh yeah, I'll do more, like paraphrasing here but yeah that's how it worked out that's wild because i think he makes the movie yeah he did he Bill also has a strong relationship with the production company because i think it's run by the director of ghostbusters and like meatballs and some other movies he was oh yeah in. yeah that's cool yeah he got in there snuck in um okay so neil are there any other uh so we talked about the golf scene but are there any other scenes you want to maybe shout out or what was your favorite scene if it was a different one uh i honestly like the game because it just gets so wacky, seeing all the substitutions, the entire lineup just getting mauled like by the bad boy Pistons out there, and just <laughs> so I'm just going one right by to one. right to the end. Yeah. Just all right, fine. Let's let's talk about the game. Um, I got some questions on the game. How official was the scorekeeping? Because at one point I, they show the scoreboard, and I swear it's just spinning out of control. Yeah, yeah. it looked like they were down like 60, 70, 80, something crazy. Yeah, like in in three seconds. Yeah. 
one of the reasons why they couldn't show, like, the game is obviously going really quickly, and, um, like, the score doesn't matter. Obviously, they're not keeping correct score. Like, whatever. Just <laughs> watch the movie, damn it. Um, but yeah. one of the reasons why they don't show that much basketball and that much basketball playing is because the difficulties at the time in 1995 to film the uh, the CGI that they were doing. This is one of the first uses of, like, a big green screen in uh, f- filmography, and... Like, they had trouble. They actually had to have people, like, in full green clothes, obviously, and, like, the animation stuff, try to, like, follow around and do basketball moves. So they were really limited in how many types of moves they could actually do. Right. So they tried to keep just very basic stuff and just cobble together what was a basketball game. That's fair, but I don't care how much money Warner Bros. had to spend, so I'm going to be a critic of it. The game itself, there was no fouls. There was no free throws. Uh, the Monstars did not take a single jump shot. You would have thought that the Looney Tunes would have tried to implement the zone, but I really didn't see that coaching by MJ to change the dynamic of the defense. MJ played his game. Shut up and get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> well, to true. be fair, I don't think the Monstars stole a lot of good shooters' talent, so they were just out there like Wilt just dunking on guys. That's true. They were playing late 90s basketball, though. Yeah, yeah no, they were. Um, who were the five? Can you guys name the five? Uh, Sean Bradley, Bradley, Muggsy Bowes, Larry um, Johnson, Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, and uh, Charles Charles. See, now was Larry Johnson really a big deal back then? Because I thought Patrick Charles, Muggsy was short, uh, Bradley was the tall, lanky guy who always got dunked on, but Larry seemed like a super random throw-in as the fifth guy. He was a medium deal, I guess. He was an all-star in the 90s. Yeah, but like... a good Hornets team. It didn't have any carry. Like, people today know who the other four are. Nobody knows who Larry Johnson is. Name one Larry Johnson highlight. I'll wait. Yeah. I don't really know a lot of Sean Bradley highlights either. Yeah. Oh, I got dunked on by T-Mac? That's a low light. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm not that's really familiar. highlight. Honestly, wasn't really familiar with too many of those players. Like, they were before my time for the most part, other than the, the main stars. Yeah. Um, um, what do you guys think Bartley? of MJ's halftime speech with Daffy chirping him the entire time? Okay, this is one of the most unrealistic things about this entire movie. And we're talking about a movie where, like aliens and <laughs> cartoons come into it and it's his goddamn halftime speech no way michael jordan speaks to his teammates like this in with the bulls like come on guys we can do it yeah if it was he is very down, uplifting yeah the only realistic thing about that entire basketball thing was that michael jordan made a bet because he loves to fucking gamble yeah so that's, that's very true <laughs> shown his true colors that yeah. late in the movie yeah high stakes bet let's fucking do it yeah <laughs> can't absolutely. help it that was the only th- thing that was realistic so i mean mj's nice guy speech didn't do anything but as soon as Bl- bugs implied that he had steroids people could drink everybody was on board mj's secret stuff you gotta do what you gotta do to Dude, prevent do you slavery get- do you, want to, do you want to get enslaved or take some juice? I just win. think, what message are you really sending to kids here about achieving your goals? If it's life or death, um, if your freedom's at stake, do what you need to do. If the I other guess, team is cheating, you should cheat too. That's, and, I guess that's But also, also really, true. the message is you always had it in you. It was fake steroids. It was a placebo. placebo. That's true. But they also didn't seem to care. You guys did mention, and this is another reoccurring theme throughout the movie, uh, MJ's gambling, which is hilarious. Um, halfway through the game at the end, MJ hears the aliens, uh, talking about how the game's going to go. And he basically asks to raise the stakes, uh, and betting himself as part of the game, which is hilarious because it's a movie and yet you are, you have final cut and yet you are still addicted to gambling. Even in a fictional world with aliens, you still can't help yourself, but putting down some big bets. The writers c- clearly couldn't think of anything else. Well, <laughs> technically, I think he was doing that because he wanted them to put up uh, 
the basketball to give the talent back to the guys. But at the same time, I wouldn't really risk my own freedom to get five other guys their talent back. Yeah, I don't think MJ would have too. Yeah, I really don't think he would have. No. MJ was such a competitor. That's another thing that actually isn't that realistic. Such a competitor. If they lost their talents, like, sucks to suck. Yeah, he probably would have gone back to the lead, smoked them some more, and just pointed and laughed. He, like, <laughs> hesitantly gave the basketball back to them at the end. Yeah, I know. He was thinking But he knew he it. could come back and beat him anyway. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Inquisitive Bro Podcast. We know you listen to us, but more importantly, we want to hear from you. Did you disagree with one of our takes? Did you catch a mistake that we made? Do you have your own take about something we discussed that maybe we didn't consider or failed to mention? If that's the case, we want to hear from you. Hit us up on Instagram at the Inquisitive Bro. Or if you want to just reach out and say what up, that's cool too. If you make a good point, bring us an interesting take of your own, or you get us talking about something cool you brought to the table, you just may hear us giving you a shout out and discussing your take on our next podcast. All right, well, we're not done yet. As always, thanks for listening. Now, back to the pod. We kind of moved off the best scene discussion pretty quickly, but I want to bring up like an underrated scene that maybe is one of the second best scene for me is the first baseball scene where Michael Jordan is getting pitches told to him by the catcher. Yeah. Two things I like about that. One, that's awesome, and I could totally see catchers doing that in AA, being like awestruck by MJ being there. And two, just the filming of this, I know he would say, like, slider, away, don't swing. And, like, this, it looked like the same pitch every time. It was just a fastball. They weren't throwing breaking balls. They couldn't get someone like someone to just throw a little bit of a breaking ball. Yeah, see, or I just say it's a fastball out of the zone. Don't I, give him a fastball and say it was something else. I didn't, I didn't catch that. I mean, you're more of a baseball fan than I am. I wonder how many people were actually looking at the pitch trajectory coming off the mound. That's the, that's the only thing I focused on this entire movie. That is a funny scene. But what's funny is that, like, MJ still struck out. He was yeah. given the pitches, still struck out. I think it was out. a good, honest look showing that he had help, and he still wasn't really all that on the baseball field. You know, he would have... Uh, there's a not that unlikely chance that he could have made the 25th man roster spot on the, the, the Chicago White Sox after a couple of years in the minors, if he stuck to it. Right, but... Some of the stuff that he did was actually, like, pretty good, especially at his rate of how he was uh, improving. He hit 252 in the Arizona Fall League, for those listening, is uh, a really strong league for um, for uh, blue-chip talent in the minors. For example, Mike Trout, in his third year uh, uh, in the minors, hit, like, 255 in the Arizona Fall League. I mean, obviously, he's much better, but saying, like, you hit 250 in the Fall League, like, you're not an awful player. It was He could have gone to the league, and I think at that time, the MLB was locked out, and they were looking for replacement yeah. players. He easily could have been one of those no, guys. He, he doesn't need the money like that. He wouldn't jump ship. No, yeah, no, I understand. He ended up not doing also, it, but yeah, he could have. He, he had 30 steals. He had 30 steals. He was he, he could do some stuff. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't trash. He also ended up striking out in the movie because he stopped listening to the guy and just started swinging. Yeah. yeah. That's how he got... That's how He, <laughs> he did strike out, out a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's that's true. Um, another reoccurring theme of this movie, I think we kind of mentioned at the outside a little bit, but how MJ can do no wrong as an athlete or as an individual. So he never misses, but he also never misses at home. Like, we were laughing a little bit before this pod about how he's pictured as, like, the ultimate family man in this movie. That's Disney working its magic. That's MJ working his magic yeah, on Disney. Yeah, both. It worked out. It worked together. Yeah. Also, Sunil, you had a great point off pod about, like, the house that he was in. Yeah, they just show him living in, like, middle America, just in the suburbs, you know, wife, kids, the dog, the whole works, people waving by his house. <laughs> yeah, as if he's, like, it. friendly to his neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> they drive by and go, hey, MJ, and he, like, waves back as if he gives a crap about anybody else that lives beside him. Well, <laughs> as if people don't give a crap that they live beside him. I mean, have you ever seen, like, MJ, one of the reasons why he retired from basketball, among his father dying everything, was the the whole media circus around it and everything. You look at other star players, 
People are uh, up, like, talking to them all the time. If you had Michael Jordan just at your corner house on your neighborhood, right. there'd be thousands of people being like, holy crap, yeah, but gawking. No, I know, but this is the exact point. MJ is coming off winning three championships as the greatest basketball player ever. Was he not living in a gated community at the time? He's, he's living on a corner that lot. That is a household name. <laughs> what is a household name? MJ. Yeah, I know, but why is he living in, like... Like a random yeah. like suburb. I think it would look weird if you lived in like a mansion on top of a hill, just looking down at everybody else. You mean like reality? Yeah, yeah. Because this this movie is so based on reality. I think if aliens came here, this is probably how it would play out. But I guess it is a movie. It's based on everything that isn't in reality. One thing I'm always thinking about with this movie to kind of go off topic is just how this was originally pitched. Um, the whole thing is like, okay, we're gonna get Bugs Bunny. We're gonna pair him with Michael Jordan. And aliens are going to try to enslave them brutally. But don't worry, they win, they win. (laughs) Yeah. And also, Michael Jordan is going to continue his terribly gambling habits. Yeah. And it's a kid's movie. The plot, (laughs) like, I'm surprised when it got pitched, this is the best that they could come up with. But it is hard to incorporate Jordan, Looney Tunes, and aliens into a better movie. Uh, <laughs> Joe Pitka himself actually doesn't even say it's a good movie. Like, I was reading some of his comments to uh, some magazine articles that he's uh, he's done, like, in response to some of the criticisms or, like, the critics not, like, necessarily loving it. He just says it's a fun movie. He, he has a realistic take on it, I think. It's not, like, it's nothing special, but it's fun. Yeah, no, I mean, that is kind of how you That's describe fair. it. I think it ended up being better than even he thought because there's a lot of nostalgic points about this movie which helped carry its legacy throughout. Well, you know how One Way was better? I mean, studios like awards, but one thing they like more is money. Yeah, okay. And this so made a fuck ton. It did. So at the time, let's jump into this. At the time, and it still holds the record for greatest grossing basketball movie of all time. Uh, Runner-up, I think, is White Man Can't Jump with Wesley Snipes. Yeah, but this is also like, it's a basketball movie, but it's more than a basketball movie. That type of stat is like, okay, like, fine. You're saying it's an alien invasion movie that happens to have a side bit of I'm basketball? I'm saying it's a Looney Tunes movie. It's comedy, <laughs> it's animated, it's not really, like, a real movie. Listen, man, it came into the category as number one grossing basketball yeah. movie all, all time. I'm going to roll through some other things that I noticed about this movie, which made me laugh, and you guys can jump in with anything you got. Uh, Newman fixing a divot. When he's looking for MJ, when he's just digging a hole in the middle yeah, of the fairway. Yeah, fixing a divot. Yeah. yeah, he gets 12 feet down and then he gives up. But my question is, did he think MJ was going to just be lying in dirt? Like, how far down did he have to dig before he thought he was going to find him? The man's job depends on it. This guy's clearly uh, Determined, yeah, yeah. I guess so too. Another thing, uh, the alien's propensity for violence in a kid's movie. Their first encounter with Bugs Bunny, they shoot him immediately. Bugs Bunny gets shot in every single thing he's in, basically. Shot at. Well, they were just laser guns, right? And he gets shot by regular guns. Yeah. I don't think Elmer Fudd ever actually hits him, though, with a regular gun. No, but several occasions, Looney Tunes guys will, like, have kind of explosions, and they're all black. I mean, Bugs didn't get hit directly from this. You see, there's a crater all around him. They kind of missed, but he's just all, I don't think Toons can die. He looked charred. I guess no Looney Tune has died. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's true. Um, another point when the psychologist asked Patrick Ewing if he's also experiencing erectile dysfunction on top of his ability to no longer play basketball. Are you lacking in performance In elsewhere? any other capacity? He just kind of like turns around, looks at him. No! Yeah, Patrick Ewing, good job on him, good acting. Charles Barkley scenes were so much better, though. Like, yeah. Do you want to talk specifically about any Charles scenes? Yeah, the one where he gets smoked by the group of girls and they call him a phony. Yeah. <laughs> You will want to be. Be gone. Be gone. <laughs> Poor Charles. I almost felt bad for him in that scene. I don't, because I know he finds it hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. He did a great job. This movie also features a time when the Knicks and Suns 
were two of the most prominent teams in the NBA. Should we get into what's age the worst and best then? I got some more... Let me just see here. I got some more little things about this movie. Oh, yeah. Space Jam also predicted the effects of the coronavirus. Thought that was pretty good. Vlad Divac and Devin George of the Lakers at the time refused to go into the locker room because of the mystery virus that is spreading around the league. They're At some point, they're in full hazmat suits with, like, full gas masks. It's kind of funny how, like, watching this in 2020 how that scene kind of resonates that much more. Yeah. I'm going to... Okay, so in the movie, the fake commissioner comes out with a statement about how the league is canceled until further notice. I'm going to see if I can find Adam Silver's announcement when he canceled the league because I swear those two are very similar. Bill Murray also mentions David Stern by name when he's talking to Larry. He asks him, like, if he still has a good relationship with Stern to get him right. in the league. That's an excellent point. because yeah. That's then, a little nitpick there that they definitely didn't catch. Yeah, because yeah. The, the commissioner they put in is not David Stern. No. Yeah, that was not him. That's funny. Yeah, that's, whatever. Yeah, that's pretty good. What else I got here? Okay, I got one more point here. Uh, <laughs> this movie is not spatially accurate whatsoever. Watching this movie is like watching the Eric Bana Hulk movie, where there's no consistency in size. When the monsters first appear on like the outdoor basketball court, they're as big as a house. 30 seconds later, they simultaneously fit inside a gym. You're really harping on the lack of um, realism. realism here. Yes. They, were, they were in the Toon in World. In an animated movie. They are in the Toon World? You're saying that gives them precedence over... Being the same size? Yeah, there's also a scene later where uh, Stan is hiding in the gym locker, like eavesdropping on them. That's and true. there's no way that man fits in a standard-sized gym locker. I don't think he unless fits in any in, size gym locker. Unless you're in Toon yeah. World. So this is a cartoon, Andrew. And in the cartoon, they allow you to do things that you couldn't actually do in real life. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Michael Jordan actually can't stretch out his arm like 30 feet in length to dunk a ball. I think MJ would disagree. I don't think there's anything MJ can't do on the basketball court. I don't think we know that because he did arrive on a spaceship at the end. <laughs> that's, that's true. All right, let's jump into the next category. What aged the best? What aged the worst? Also known as what is still cool today and relevant versus what is not. I got some good stuff for this. Anybody want to start? No, you can start. Okay, so I want to start with the one I think is the best for this category. Because not only did it age the best, but it simultaneously also aged the worst. And I have R. Kelly. R. Kelly as a human being, aged terribly. I don't, he would never have been in this movie if we knew what was going on in R. Kelly life 20 years ago. That's kind of happens, and that's what happens in all entertainment, right? <laughs> they're in everything, and then you realize something shitty about them, and then they're no- in nothing again. Yeah, when was the last time you watched The Cosby Show? Uh, dude, um, <laughs> Bill Cosby. No, I've, never watched the, Bill? I've never watched The Cosby what, Show. Was his first name Bill it. in The Cosby Show? Uh, it was Bill Huxtable? Bill Huxtable, right? Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, Bill Huxtable, the man, aged well, but Bill Cosby, the actor, aged very, very, very poorly. Um, so yeah, his music is timeless, right? There's 12-year-olds walking around today singing I Believe I Can Fly. They probably don't even know who sings it. Uh, their parents know that, like, you know, R. Kelly, not the greatest dude. I thought that both aged the worst and aged the best. Uh, another one I got, Bill Murray's umbrella hat. I thought that aged pretty well. I would rock that today. I thought it was functional and somewhat stylish. Yeah, I have no, I have no real opinions on the umbrella hat. I, I, I dig his style. <laughs> I, yeah. think it, Bill I think Murray's it says something about you, though, colorful. if you find it as a good... Uh, uh, if you find it's a good uh, fashion statement. Uh, I think Bill Murray's got one of the more colorful golf oh yeah. get-ups. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, the debut of the Air Jordan 11 Concords were featured in this movie. Obviously, all MJ shoes aged wonderfully, but I think these specifically aged really well. Some say Jordan 11's uh, Concords greatest Jordan shoe of all time. I know you guys aren't big shoe people, but a lot of people are. Uh, also, what aged the worst, Larry Johnson, as one of the five uh, Monstars who stole their talent, at least he made an all-star team, or few. They couldn't find anybody else more recognizable that would have had some, like, carrying weight. I don't know why they had two centers in Ewing and Bradley. 
Ewing and Bradley. Yeah, like, I'm kind of guessing, like, I guess these guys were just Jordan's buddies because they couldn't get anybody else to film this movie. I think it's because of what we were talking before where it was just hard to pitch the idea to people. Like, you tell them, like, there's, like, a 360 green screen. There's no real actors. You know, it's all animated characters. I guess. But you would have thought, like, NBA players would have been down just to, like, give it a shot. Yeah. Maybe it was because he was retired. Maybe it was his feuds. I don't know. Maybe. One other thing which we didn't mention before, which I want to bring up real quick, is your beef with the Toon Squad starting lineup. Yeah, I questioned Taz at the starting center position. I thought he's a little unpredictable. I thought they maybe could have found someone else to hold it down for them. (laughs) Yeah, questionable coaching decisions. Although I think Taz, like... Taz could be like one of those small ball fives, like a la Draymond Green, you know, but when he spins and stuff, he probably has a manic defensive force out there. Probably. Um, but he didn't see a lot of Taz playing, though, but I think, like, you know, he probably was doing some pretty good defensive stuff out there. Yeah, the off ball stuff. Stopping the Monstars ends. from dunking all the time. Maybe. He was the Rodman of the. He was the Rodman. But of the I think Sonic makes a good point. Like, him as a starting center, like, I think he was listed in the intro at like two foot six. He's, he's kind of like throwing Kenneth Reed out there, yeah. little animal. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, as far as what age the best, what age the worst, do you guys have anything? I also thought it was interesting, and, I, and it didn't really age that well, because uh, the movie came out in November 96, and they showed Vladi Divac as a Laker, and a few months earlier, he was actually traded for a kid called Kobe Bryant. That's a great point. I did not catch that. I didn't catch that either. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that's age the worst then for you. Yeah, it wasn't even relevant at the time. There's <laughs> no way young Kobe would have agreed to play that role. No, of course not. No. Very few people wanted to do it. More people want to play it now because they realize how big a hit it was, right? It was a risk back then. Yeah. One of the things that's, uh, that's aged the worst, I already said it, was um, MJ's speeches. Right. I mean, like, they're just so dumb. Clearly, that's not how he spoke about... I feel like <laughs> MJ's speeches have a lot more F-bombs and get out of my gym, you're fired. Yeah, they, yeah. they lack the profanity, but yeah. it's probably the family rating. I guess MJ wanted to be shown in a better light. That's fair. It's his movie. Also, what's aged the best? Any Charles Barkley scene. Still great. Yeah. No wonder he, he succeeded so well in Inside the NBA. So Yeah, he's hilarious. <laughs> just as a human being, he's super funny. This was his audition. Anything you guys hated about the movie? Uh, nothing I hated. I thought it was a little weird at the end when his like family goes to the baseball game and they haven't seen Mike in a full day, like 24 <laughs> hours. Like, yeah. He went missing, I think, the day before during the golf game, like in the middle of the day at some point. Right. And then they haven't seen him since it's the next night. Yeah, it's been a while. They haven't heard from Daddy, but they don't. Nobody's seen... Fi- un- yeah. Is, yeah. So, however, that seems very realistic because I would think in MJ's real family, it was pretty common for MJ just not to show up at home because he's out on, like, gambling and drinking and smoking. That makes sense. They probably yeah. thought he was in Vegas. Yeah. If, if MJ loses the his round of golf and loses money, then he's oftentimes trying to play 36 if he has time. So... Right. The family's probably the guy probably just uh, having one of those... Yeah. One of probably, those nights. He's probably just down half a mil on the golf course trying to win it back. Which is... He was off gambling in the, at the end of it. Well, the big rumor is like he was out of the league because David Stern told him to take a couple which years off. Is which isn't true. Like, I know yeah. it's not true, but he told him to take a couple years off because of his gambling issues. It was looking bad for the mm-hmm. league. Obviously, that's not the case. The only thing I hated about this movie was, and again, you guys are going to hit me because like all the unrealistic things that I point out in this movie. At the end of the game, the final big game, there's only one road going to and from the Looney Tunes Stadium, and it's only one lane of traffic. The traffic going in was horrendous, and also, there's no way you could ever leave. So if you were there and you needed to run out for something, you could not escape. There was only one road and one lane of traffic. You wouldn't think that Warner Brothers would have invested in some infrastructure at some point? They don't care. The, the Looney Tunes are just there for their, to make the money. They kind of make references to that during the film. 
I can't believe you noticed that because I didn't, but you've been really looking for the realism. I just kind of looked. I also really hate traffic. <laughs> I'm getting all worked up now just thinking about it. I would never sit in that. I would park. I would just leave my car and go walk. Just Favorite character? Anybody? I, we Murray. mentioned it. Yeah, Bill Murray it's stole Bill the Murray. show. Saw anybody else you thinking of? Is it crazy to say Bugs Bunny? No. It's not crazy, but to be honest, I don't even think Bugs was the best Looney Tune. I thought Daffy's yeah. dialogue was even better than Bugs' is. Yeah, but Daffy's just not helpful. Well, of course. No, of course. But I don't think, even like in the Looney Tunes itself, Daffy's kind of a, I mean, he's a duck. How helpful he is. He is a duck. A duck. Yeah. He's usually right. just an idiot on his own. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but Bill Murray, like, I'm so glad he was in this movie. He is hilarious. So, question for you guys, 25 years later, how did this movie hold up in the rewatch? Did you guys like actually enjoy watching it again? Uh, yeah, it was fun. Like, I mean, I hadn't seen it, like, front to back in a long time, so it was good to revisit. Yeah. It's rewatchable. It's an enjoyable it's funny, movie, yeah. but totally. it's not a good movie. I think, I, I think, well, hold up. I think a good thing about this movie is that if it's on cable and say, like, you're flipping through the channels and you come across it, it's a movie where no matter where you jump into the movie, it's going to be entertaining. Some movies, like, you're watching, you're like, oh, it already started, or, like, it's almost at the end. No matter where this movie is at, you can jump in and be entertained by what's going on. 100%. That's the That's power fair. of Michael Jordan. You yeah. see Michael Jordan on TV, you're going to... You're going to stay there for a little bit. So yeah. what's this about? Yeah, Even if you so don't too. recognize the movie. Right so yeah, off the bat. Uh, good movie. Concept, super hard to work out, obviously, but I think they did a half-decent job. Any comments about MJ's acting? Good, bad, to be expected? I thought he did really solid. I mean, it's not like he's going to win any Oscars, but he played himself and he played himself well yeah, enough. certainly didn't overact. Yeah, I think he did a good job. He was playing himself. It wasn't like a dramatic thing. He was, hold up, hold up. He was playing a better version of himself. Yes, a gentrified version of himself. Correct, yes. But yeah, no, I thought acting was good. Chris, you had some thoughts about some cool ideas about this movie as far as spin-off ideas that were Well, it's not around. my thoughts. Um, it's spin-offs that actually were talked about, just never got off past, uh, never ended up being produced, but they definitely got some traction. I know these are funny. All right, let's hear them. Okay, so these are um, kind of sequels, but also spin-offs at the same time. So one was called... Spy Jam. Now get this. How would I pitch you the Looney Tunes plus Jackie Chan? <laughs> you got me. And they're getting exactly. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm you in. got me. What do I sign? <laughs> Wait, hold up. Was a movie called Spy Chan? Spy Jam. Oh, Spy Space Jam. Jam. Spy Jam. Gotcha. Except Looney, Bugs Bunny, te- Bugs Bunny and the crew teaming up with Jackie Chan and doing some spy stuff. I think. I thinking of, I'm thinking of Rush Hour, but without, but instead without Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker, you just hold have up. Was this funny. meant as a replacement for what happened or a sequel? It's like a spin-off, spin-off sequel. Oh, I see. Okay, just and like different something, genre. just a different thing that's happening. Right, and I guess that never got off. Never the, got off the ground. Apparently, also something that was um, that was discussed was Race Jam with Jeff Gordon. That sounds Ooh. horrendous for those Looney Tunes and NASCAR fans out there. <laughs> the when you the crossover when you get the crossover of Looney Tunes and NASCAR fans into one movie that one probably all didn't six get, of those people that one that one probably didn't get nearly as far but Spy Jam I mean shit I'd watch Jackie Spy Jam Chan plus Bugs Bunny I would watch that now yeah absolutely yeah. it's not too late Warner Brothers get that mid we can fire it up uh, anything else that you want to mention about that yeah just uh, some random internet research one of my fun- funniest things that I found was the fact that as and we're gonna segue into this I guess about Space Jam two. Everyone uh, that's listening to this may or may not know that LeBron James is starring in Space Jam 2 has been widely publicized and everything. What a lot of people don't know is maybe the idea that many other people have thrown their hat into the ring to potentially be the star of Space Jam 2. One of the funniest ones I found was back when Dwight Howard was with the Hawks, his representation went 
to the director of Space Jam and pitched the idea of a sequel with Dwight Howard being the protagonist. That of is the, the most story. ridiculous Pass. concept I have ever heard. Who's going to believe Dwight Howard is going to be the savior of anything? <laughs> I think it would be better if he was actually just unbeknownst to him, he joined the bad guys and can't understand why all the NBA players are actually just ripping on him. It's like, God damn it, Dwight. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? I was like, hey, man. Like, <laughs> he thought he was going just, to a popular team to be loved and everybody hates him again. Yeah, except the Monsters would be better for him and he'd still be asking to be fed the ball and get his post touches. Probably. <laughs> he yeah. looks like a Monstar and he's used to being alienated by his teammates. Well, he alienates his teammates. It's the other way around. It's weird, though, because in the public eye, he always comes across as like what seems to be a fun-loving, good dude, but everybody hates him. Not that I met the guy, but from all the reports and like things I've read, apparently he's just basically a man-child. Just very, very immature. Um, he's one of the few guys... No, the only guy I've ever heard on separate podcasts from different people talking about his flatulence. Apparently, he's very a very smelly dude, That's which so just weird. adds to his child his childlike behavior. Like he'll do it as like practical jokes, fart in bad right. situations. Right. Okay. Well, thankfully, he was not in Space Jam Two, but some people are. I will read you guys the synopsis before I get into that question for you guys. If LeBron was in Space Jam One, do they beat the Monstars? No. Chris. If they wrote it, yeah, sure, he'd win, except he'd pass the final shot. Yeah, I think he probably passes exactly. it to, to Danny Green, and yeah. Danny Green misses. But Danny was wide open. That's how this movie ends. He finds Danny Green in the corner, it goes slow-mo, Danny like takes the final shot, and it like rims out, and then everybody gets enslaved. And they all blame Danny Green. Yeah. 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 Probably, yes. what is true. <laughs> Probably what would happen. I, did we touch on this beforehand? MJ's final uh, play of the game play, like what he draws up for this? It seemed very realistic to what he would normally drop for the Bulls teams that he was playing for. It was uh, steal the ball, get it to me, and I'll score before the yeah. time runs out. <laughs> that seemed fairly it works accurate. most of the time. So a little bit about the plot for Space Jam 2. I'll read it out. Uh, I don't think a lot of people have heard this, so here we go. During a trip to the Warner Brothers studio, NBA superstar LeBron James and his son accidentally get trapped within a world that contains all of the Warner Brothers stories and characters. Under the control of a malfunctioning, all-powerful force named Al G, who is played by Don Cheadle, apparently. With the help of Bugs Bunny, LeBron must navigate through a never-before-imagined world filled with iconic movie scenes and characters as they reassemble the Looney Tunes to rescue his lost son. Who is not played by his son. Who is not played by Bronny James. No, it is a random actor. Now, to get back home, LeBron and the Tunes have to unravel Al G's mysterious plan and win an epic basketball game against digital, gamified super versions of the NBA and WNBA's biggest stars as the entire world watches. You may have noticed the end of that says the NBA and WNBA's biggest stars. Let me read you the cast as far as NBA players go. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, Diana Taurasi from the WNBA, and Kyle Kuzma rounds out the group. Kyle Kuzma's like the... Uh, he's coming off the bench. <laughs> he's like the intro boss. Yeah, he's like level one. Yeah, he's level one guy. Yeah, where you basically like just like, it's as easy as killing a Goomba in Super Mario. Those are some. Those are some good. Uh, for the most part, good good choices though. How did like, Kuz get in this movie? I don't know. Okay, I got. He's in LA. Up. They needed a guy. I got something funny. By the time this comes out, this debut is supposed to come out in movie theaters July of 2021. We are currently December 2020. Will Kyle Kuzma still be a Laker by the time this movie hits theaters? No. Sanj. Yes. What? I think they're stuck with the guy. How? No one took him this offseason. Yet. I don't think they could find anybody. That's unbelievable. Nobody wants Kuzma for... Any, like, I don't blame them, but, like, I thought they'd no, be... 
I don't think anyone wants Kuzma enough to give something up for him. No, he'll eventually be traded for something. He's got a, a pretty tradable contract. It's just a matter of like coming to. I think it's hard <laughs> to find an impact an player at that salary though to like replace him because he was no, supposed hard- to kind of be that third guy for them. But they they're replaced. They've already replaced him with other players. I mean. Uh, Wesley Matthews is is much better. Uh, I think a Kyle Kuzma replacement and uh, Dennis Schroeder. They're going to be fine, but we're not going to talk about the Lakers right now. So what did you guys think of that synopsis? Is this movie going to be good? Well, if you talk about the synopsis of the original Space Jam, would I have said it would be good? No, I didn't. wouldn't say that. What did you actually think of the thing I read, though? It sounds like it could be fine. I don't know. I assume it would be the similar quality to Space Jam, right? I'll watch it. Like Disney, take my money, just like, just throw it at them. Yeah, I'll watch the damn thing. It'll probably be like reasonably entertaining. Have you guys seen <laughs> the new Toon Squad jerseys they will be wearing? No. no, no, you haven't seen it either. Okay, we'll post it on the Instagram uh, account. They actually look pretty good. Hopefully, people don't start buying them because they're not that good. But for the movie, they're okay. I think that the movie will actually end up being better than expected, but most likely, uh, Skip Bayless will straight up hate it. He always does. Yeah, they should throw him in as a cameo. That'd be fun. <laughs> There's no way LeBron would let Skip Bayless be in a LeBron James movie. That's the joke. Let's let's finish it up. Uh, Space Jam, the original. Give me a rating out of ten. Chris? Six. Sanj? I was also going to say six. Uh, incorrect, boys. The correct answer was two, three. Thanks, boys. It was fun. We'll talk soon. <laughs>